Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Amels on the 4th. On today's episode, I'm chatting with an old friend of mine named Fast Eddie. Fast Eddie's one of the OG members of the Afropunk board. We talk about his time in the Navy, the Chicago Afropunk scene, and some other topics too. We take it a bit street level, so if you're offended by language, I can't say I didn't warn you. So, how's it looking on your end? I'm doing well. Um, I'm currently working from home. Been that way since uh, last March, which I don't regret one bit. I like working from home. They're definitely perks, you know. All right, so, all right, that's you know the fascinating thing about you is, from the old board, I know you have two names, right? Is is it cool if I mention them? Yeah. All right, it was Gamaliel and of course Fast Eddie, right? But one thing about you was been really intrigued by. Nobody knows really what you look like. <laughs> I'm not the only one. There's Rant. True. Here's a weird parallel. It's almost like if this, was, if this was wrestling, you'd be like a luchador. Nobody's ever seen, in the culture of luchador, nobody's ever seen those guys with the mask. Some have actually been buried in them. You know? <laughs> Shoot. You know, same thing with Rant. I always remember the MF Doom, actually, right? Wait, I did see Rant one time. In there, person? Yes. It was at the CBGB's event of an Afropunk. Afropunk event of CBGB's. Back in 2005 or six, one of those. And it was funny because nobody recognized him, you know? He had to introduce himself or you just kind of figured it, figured it was him? He had it. He had his guess. And it was funny because my sister's the one, all right, everyone's trying to figure out who are you? I said, it's me, Rand. I was like, oh, shit. A few, a few, a few have seen my face. Uh, Rosanda, Bay Pasha, you know, Calvin Chaos, Politic. Yeah. They've all, uh, Ebony Snipes, they've all met, met me in person. Oh, yeah. Reason why uh, I don't show my face at first, it was, uh, I guess, basic uh, shyness. Cause I'm, I'm talking to basically strangers. You know, until I get to feel comfortable. Then after a while, it's more of a uh, practical issue. I started reading uh, news about people getting fired from their job or something posted online or getting blackballed or something like that. Or people would take – actually, I actually seen this on Afropunk. There was – I can't remember the guy's name. He had his face up. Somebody got on Afropunk, had an issue with him. And vice versa. Then they made a fake account using his name, posting weird messages, making him like some kind of freak or pervert using his face. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. Holy so that's damn. two reasons. One for job security. Second, I don't want nobody using my face on on the fake post. Smart move, and I understand it completely. You know. We had a similar reason why, because nobody, I didn't really post my face up, actually, because I just didn't like how I looked. Not on some self-hate shit, I just didn't like how I looked, period. This is a thing, you know. I thought it was kind of funny, one person thought I looked like, I think it was Calvin, he said, he said he assumed I looked like DJ Paul from 3-6 from Mafia. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe in an alternate universe somewhere, I can kind of see that, maybe, but, uh, I got a whole ass arm right here, <laughs> you know? 
Oh yeah, then I think there was one other reason too. Uh, <clears throat> I get example. I used to work at this job, a warehouse, and it's mixed, mixed, you know, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, you know, a little bit of everybody. Yeah, the UN. And uh, it's two black guys I worked with, and one of them he used to call me. Now, one of them used to call me. He he nicknamed me Luigi because he said I looked like a uh, Mario from the for Super Mario Brothers. Thought I was some kind of dark Italian or something. Okay. And the other guy, I worked at that job almost for three or five years. I I forget which how long it was. And we worked in the same warehouse, but we never actually worked like side by side. It was just casual encounters in the locker room as, you know, we're getting ready to go home. And one day he, he got to t we got to talking, you know, real deep. And he's like, are you black? I said, yeah. You know, all this time I thought you was Puerto Rican. So I just started talking to you. <laughs> okay. Interesting. All right. Because I've always imagined you, that you kind of look like somewhere between Grandmaster Melly Mel and Rocky Johnson, the Rock's dad. <laughs> I've always imagined that, like, from your voice tone and everything, I've always imagined like that a little bit. Oh, okay. So that was that was the third reason, because I post a lot of, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, air, air quote black stuff. And I don't want to think, why is this Puerto Rican posting all this black stuff? So they don't see my face. They just assume I'm black, which I am. Yeah. But I've been having the issue since I was little. This cat in high school, it was a, uh, was it math class? Yeah. Guy was sitting, it was, uh, I think my freshman year, high school, all, all black high school. And uh, I had this class with this guy math we had other classes too and the math class he was sitting directly behind me so one day he said are you uh are you pakistani i said no i'm black i said with well, your hair you look like you might be from pakistan i said no i'm surprised even what pakistan is because you know i have like a quick quick tongue that's how i got that nickname fast eddie that's why i use that nickname i had that twice from two separate jobs from two separate sets of people uh, the the warehouse job I told you about from before, I had two I had two nicknames. My my one nickname was CNN because I keep with the news and political subjects. That <laughs> makes know. sense. It makes total sense. And I was a go to guy for that kind of stuff. And I was real, you know, quick, you know, quick with the tongue or getting the last word in or just being, you know, a, a smart ass basically. So I was called fascinated for that. And then when I worked at the VA hospital, this guy named Silk, me and him would go back and forth, you know, doing the dozens or whatever, you know, just, just you know, just, just talking talk, talk stuff. And so he started calling me fast Eddie because, you know, every time you say something, before you finish the sentence, I'm already saying something back to him, you know, smart, you know. So that's how I got that name. The thing is with that name, I get friend requests, people thinking I'm a DJ. That, so there must be some kind of, must be a DJ out there named Fast Eddie. And I said, and said no, and I would get these inbox messages. Are you, are you that DJ Fast Eddie? I get a bunch of those. I said no, I'm, I'm Fast Eddie from Chicago. I said, oh, okay. You still, you still want to friend me? Yeah, I guess so. So, <laughs> you know the crazy part about that is though, 
you're like the most musically musically literate dude that I know. Like literally, there's like maybe five or ten. I consider like a fucking guild. You know. Really. Yes. You know. Like honestly, sincerely, that. So that's why I always kind of felt like, oh, I can learn something from him. You know. And also, in sheer coincidence, I'll never forget this. My mom and I were driving down D.C. one time, right? I think because my sister had to cover an event. And usually, I usually play bodyguard for my sister because, let's face it, I'm fat, black, and intimidating. You know, also have that kind of okay. death stare, too. I can do, like, a hell of a Charles Manson impression, too. <laughs> you know, I can do a creepy stare thing. It scares the fuck out of people. Anyway, um, so one night, it was the event was cool, whatever, so... My mom and I were, like, you know, in D.C. And she knows this one place called Fast City. So, I, is she, isn't that in front of yours? <laughs> <laughs> so, literally, there's actually, like, this, there's actually this, like, billiard bar nightclub chain here called Fast Eddie's down here in D.C. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, it's kind of weird. You know, it's like, huh. So, what, we, so what was growing up like? Well, I was uh, born and raised in Chicago. We lived on the north side up until I was around seven. And then we moved to the south side because the the apartment building, you know, they can afford a house. My parents would move to the south side. They kept me in Catholic school on the north side because, you know, they worked up north. Went to St. Boniface. And I liked that school. Yeah, you know, it was structure. Back then, you know, teachers were different. They can spank your butt with a ruler. They could slap you, and it wasn't wasn't considered abuse. And yeah. you know, when you talk back to the teacher, I'm like, because I, there was repercussions. If your if the teacher didn't smack you, your parents would come on report card and smack you. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it was considered child abuse. It is today, but back then, parenting and teaching was different. Vastly, I'm not justifying teachers hitting kids. But I'm just saying, though, back then, Catholic school. That's what that's what the, when parents enrolled in Catholic school, it was expected that the teacher had permission to hit your child if they got out of line. That was that was you know part of the part of the part of the plan, I guess you could say. You could say that. But I was a class. I was one of the class clowns. You know, always acting up. Me and this one other kid, and uh, I had a girlfriend named Emmy. No, we didn't actually date, but you know how little kids say, you're my girlfriend, I'm your boyfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she was she she was black, but she was fluently Spanish. So me and being little, I thought that was kind of weird because I didn't see how black people can speak Spanish. I didn't really understand about Puerto Ricans or Colombians or Cubans, anything like that at the time. Or Dominicans. Yeah. So my parents kept me there until they could long afford the tuition. Which is funny was the teachers were generally good. I don't know how to read very good. I was already my mom told me when I was little. I like to look at catalogs and newspapers just to look at them, even though I didn't know how to read yet. Same here. So I look, so I look at the pictures, and then the reading was easy to learn in there. So they put me in public school after that. Totally different environment. Totally. The kids would talk back to teacher, no repercussions. You know, some of them didn't even live with their parents. You know, that's how I learned coming out of the integrated school to all black school. The whole scene was different. In the Catholic school, I didn't worry about street gangs or getting robbed or beat up because I had my hat on the wrong way or wearing a certain kind of shoes. I had to, even though I live in a black neighborhood, 
I was more sheltered because I didn't go to all black school. When I was home, I was home. I stayed within my block. I had to like venture out, you know, experience that type of thing. Now I went to high school, again, all black high school, same thing, gangs, stuff like that. And I wanted to get out of school. I hated school, high school. The only thing that saved, the only thing that saved high school for me was my friend Eric. He passed away. He had uh died from some kind of lupus uh disease about two or three years ago. My condolences. Yeah, he was a football player, which is weird because I don't think football players read. He was like an outcast. He was on the football team, but he didn't hang out with any of them. And I saw him in the library one day. I said, a football player in the library, how about that? So we got to talking and we kind of like the same things. So he was my first best friend. So having friends with him got me through high school because I was, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of friends. You know, I, I was black, looks Pakistani, I guess to some kids, <laughs> Puerto Rican, and I like rock music. And rock music, you stand up in high school, house music was the thing to listen to back then. Oh, yeah. WBMX. And they didn't call it house music, they called it mixes. And at the time, I felt that when you listen to a certain kind of music, that was a tribe you're in. So I was like, tribal. If I'm listening to heavy metal, then I'm a heavy metal kid. I don't listen to house music. I'm this. I'm not that. Oh, yeah. But... I was a hypocrite because I grew up with my dad's record collection. So on the weekends, I still dug the Isaac Brothers, still listen to James Brown, Lou Rawls, Barry White, Everyone in Fire. I still like those, those cats, but it was that new music I didn't like that was on the radio. But I, eventually I came around. But it started it started with New Wave. Uh, no, no, no oh, it started with Top 40 Radio, just regular pop songs. Then it was New Wave. There was... Uh, my favorite bands were Devo, Adam, and Ants. And then this one, my friend Eric comes in. His cousin was was a metalhead. And at the time, it was, you know, backward messages on albums was a real big deal and controversy at the time. So I wanted, so I just wanted to borrow his cousin's records to see those backward messages on them. Not 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 to not to like them, just to check for messages. So he let me borrow his ACD back in black. Shout out to Devil. You know, uh, Molly Crew, Iron Maiden, uh, Power Slave. He had all vinyl records. And the thing, he didn't have a stereo. He had, he had you know, those little kitty record players? Yeah. He played them on those. <laughs> what the fuck? So instead of listening for back with messages, I just put the record on and started playing it and just liked it. You know, I forget about the messages, you know, because. The satanic stuff, honestly, is up, up front anyway on the record. You don't need a backward message. You know, it's a yeah. devil right Iron Man album. You don't have to sneak nothing satanic on there. And I had a subscription to Circus Magazine, and they would explain the interviews, you know, what album covers are for, what the mascots meant, what number the beast meant. So it wasn't nothing satanic in the first place. But that sells a record. That's what kids want to see, you know. So my next, for my, so my last three years in high school, I was, you know, heavy metal and approved my tribal allegiance. I did some real stupid. I wasn't as eclectic as I am now. I was, like I said, tribal. So I took my old Duran Duran record, uh, Michael Jackson Thriller and Flashdance and burned them on a barbecue grill as showing my allegiance to heavy metal. <laughs> I really wish I hadn't done that. 
I don't blame you for the Duran Duran album. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Jackson Thriller? I'm just yeah, like... Now, now, actually, uh, my my friend's sister snatched it off the grill. She's like, nope. And the Devo records I gave away to my my, my friend's cousin's uh, friend. And Adam and Ants, that may have been burned. I'm not sure. The only artist I liked from before that I would never compromise was Prince. I never stopped liking Prince. No matter what tribe I was in, Prince was still in my top five. No he crossed what. over. It's, he, he's, he's the exception. He crossed the fuck over. You know? Yep. Shoot. Similar story, believe it or not. Okay. When all right, I grew up on, you know, anything knows her in a black household, except for gospel, pretty much, you know? Some stuff was all right, I guess, but, you know, I don't know. The closest I got to gospel was actually, like, Commodore's Jesus is Love. Closest one I got. You know, but you hear a lot more, like, R&B, a lot more funk, a lot more soul, you know? And also, I hear Frank Zappa, too. My dad's a big Zappa guy and also Iggy the Stooges guy. Hell, that's how I found out Iggy Raw Power, actually, you know? Another cool... Okay. Yeah, so... Either way, at that time when I got into rock and everything, right? Because I was already there anyway, right? I don't know. I just really... I never really was a big R&B guy in the first place. At least 90s R&B. Except for, like, guys like Jodeci and Drew Hill. Because Jodeci was a fucking movement. You know? I'll put it that way. To me, it was like a movement. You know? Drew Hill, obviously, because those guys from Baltimore. Got their them dudes, too. Pretty cool people. Point being, though. I couldn't get, there was some stuff in the new metal era I couldn't get into because I kind of felt like it was a more aggressive version of the R&B stuff I was kind of like not interested in. Like Deftones, I always kind of felt like, okay, if you take Chino's vocal from Deftones and put on an R&B beat or something like that, you couldn't tell the difference. So I like no interest in Deftones until like 2012, you know? So I understand that too when you feel like to make an allegiance to like a certain style, you know, but I think I understand why that happens, though. But anyway, you know. This is what, uh, how I got the way as far as having, you know, tidbits about different genres. My uh, freshman year in high school, I went to, I think it may have been, it was a bookstore in um, Evergreen Plaza near my house. And I bought the encyclopedia, the Rock and Roll Encyclopedia, Rolling Stones, Rolling Stone Encyclopedia of Rock and Roll, but it had other genres in it. I read it from cover to cover, like 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 a Christian with a Bible, you know. Read it every day till the pages were dog-eared, pages came loose, the binder came loose. I held onto that book as long as I could till I went to the military, and I think maybe it just disagreed the ashes on floor and air because I, I didn't keep up with it after I got in got the, got the Navy. <laughs> but I read it, I had that book for like five years, and I wore it out. That, my subscription to Circus Magazine, uh, Cream Metal, had a a subscription to Rolling Stone in the Navy. I read all the interviews, all the album reviews, you know, any little tidbit, even the editorial section, you know, little stuff like that. And one of my favorite writers, he's actually my my Facebook friend now, Chuck Eddy. He had interesting uh, genre-crossing articles on uh, disco and how, how some disco songs on heavy metal, vice versa. Uh, black metal, like black people, how they started heavy metal. Oh, yeah. Stuff like this. Like his stuff was very informative. Yeah. And my taste when I got in the Navy got more electric. Like, if you would ask me in my sophomore year, 
about Luther Vance or Freddie Jackson, I would have I would have vomited on you, right? <laughs> yeah, like same here on this end. But I met a actually I I did a note about this on my Facebook page with the you know about how my taste developed. I was influenced by different people I were friends with, and this he was an older guy named Jackson who had actually been to P Funk concerts during their during the heyday. And he got me to listen to Luther Vandross and uh, Bob James. Stuff that Bob James, I found later, was used for Peter Piper running the MC. I didn't know that at the time. He said it because I wasn't into digging in the crates yet. That was a 90s thing for me. This was still the 80s. I would just, I would just say, man, this song sounds familiar. Okay, that's a staple singer. My dad had that record. If I didn't have the record, I don't know who it came from. I don't know that Peter Piper was Bob James. You know? So he got to listen to Bob James and Luther Vandross and Ray Parker Jr. and Nita Baker. So I appreciate more, more soul jazz type stuff at that point. But I still like my metal stuff. Oh, yeah. Then um, the way I dress, even today, is plain clothes. Even when I was all metal guy, I still didn't feel right displaying my allegiance, you know, through my clothes because I felt that. It, a heavy metal shirt doesn't look right with a Black Panther beret, you know, because <laughs> at the same time, that was in heavy metal, I used to frequent this, book, this bookstore called New World Resource uh, Center uh, in Chicago. They sold left-wing literature. And so my dad was in the Army Reserve, or National Guard, I mean, and he let me wear his Army coat, and it had a black beret on. I wanted to emulate the Black Panther look the best that I could because they were my heroes oh, yeah. at the time. So I'm saying, you know, how can I send them for the Black Panthers but have a Molly Cruz Sharma one? They don't match. He's either one or the other. So I just chose the Black Panther look and discarded the heavy metal t-shirt look. Until my junior year where... You know, I had one Led Zeppelin shirt with the Swan Song logo on it. That was as far as I went. And then when I went to the military, I tried it again, didn't match. I had the Af African medallions real big in the late 80s. So I tried the, Af the African, African medallion look with the suicidal shirt with the skull and, 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 and the hat, the suicidal shirt. It didn't match. <laughs> so I said, either go to African medallion or go to the suicidal shirt. So I went African medallion. <laughs> Understood totally. So after that, I went for the straight uh, plain look where, because you know, in the Navy, I was listening to hardcore, you know, BRI and Bad Brains, heavy metal, you know, uh, you know, um, Slayer, you know, uh, 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 Possessed, Seven Churches, King Diamond. But I was still really into hip hop, really big. And then it was the jazz thing, the Shadi Luther thing. So I listened to something everybody. So the only thing I only thing I had I had a public enemy hat on with the with the low logo sewn on that was it everything else you wouldn't know what kind of music I listened to I didn't have the hat on that way I can go with, go in any crowd because I was going to different type of shows San Francisco it was uh, Primus I think uh, Deaf Angel. And some other band, I forget who they were. San Diego, it was Run DMC together for two Beastie Boys. Then later on, I went to go see Danzig. 
and then Tijuana almost saw the bad brains. I still regret that to this day. Bad Brains was doing the Tijuana show. It was the week that I was getting discharged for the Navy. And they gave me a, a bonus check. I blew the whole check on a date the same night that the Bad Brains, that they totally sucked. I regretted it. And as I was leaving back across the board, I can literally hear them playing their show in the background. The Tijuana, I was going back across the board because I was broke as hell. <laughs> Damn. That was my, and after that, every time they would come to town, like Chicago, I would miss my chance. That was my only chance of seeing was then and there, and I blew it. It happens, you know. Oh, before I forget, uh, that name Gamaliel, they had this thing called a uh, pro board, where uh, it was mainly a religious, spiritual thing, where Hebrew Israelites... Muslims, people into ancient Egypt, you know, Christians get together and debate and share information. Kind of like the same thing I do on, on my Facebook page now. Yeah. And I chose Gamaliel. The Gamaliel is a Hebrew name, and Gamaliel was the name of the Apostle Paul's teacher. He was one of the, he was a chief Pharisee, and I liked his he had his own school of teaching. I studied his school and I liked it, so that's why I adopted that name. But then eventually I went for a more secular name, Fast Eddie, when I after I was on Afropunk for a while, I wasn't really posting the spiritual on Afropunk, so let me go for a more secular title. So I'm with Fast Eddie. That's how that happened. Because I had been into the uh, Hebrew thing for a while. I tried various isms throughout throughout my, my years. And I've managed to uh, bring them all together into one circle to make it complete. It's pretty dope. So what was the Navy like? The older I get, the more I appreciate. I didn't appreciate it at the time. Um, you can learn some good habits and some bad habits. The good habits is you learn to fold your underwear pretty good. You learn how to keep your bed. You learn neatness and tightness and the importance of following instructions so somebody can get killed if you're not following you know, instructions correctly. The downside is this was, I don't know what the military is like now because you know I was in it over 30 years ago. But back then, they seemed to promote alcoholism. They seemed to give a nod to sexual harassment. Not outwardly, but, you know, wink, you know, eye wink here and there. A prison mentality, you know, like a lot of reference to, you know, anal, anal sex between men, you know, in a comedic type way. But then at the same time, be homophobic about it, too. It's like they wanted it both ways. And profanity, because uh, I'm not going to be hypocrite and say I'll never, you know, cuss. Obviously, I do, but I don't see how somebody who is overwhelmed by those words can make a, like a career out of it, because it's in your face all day, every day, even when it's not necessary. It's like gratuitous profanity for no reason. You know, when you're happy, you even cuss, you know, <laughs> like, like, like you're mad. It's, that's where they get the term cuss like a sailor from. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, but um, but as I look back on it, you had job security. You get to three meals a day. You get a place to sleep. You want to wear what to wear because you wear the same uniform, you know, every day. They just ask that you stand, watch, and pass all your tests, which is pretty easy to do. 
you know, so there's there's good and bad. So I, the good from it is that because I'm a veteran, I was able to use my veteran benefits to get this house I live in. And it paid for some of my college, college tuition, so it wasn't a waste of time. When I when people ask me or I volunteer information about the military, I say, well, if you don't like profanity, don't go in. If you don't like being yelled at, don't go in. If you don't like exercise, don't go in. But if you do all of that, but I would tell women, unless you have a very strong character, don't go in at all because going by the reports I see, sexual harassment is still a big thing in the military. That's all branches, Navy, Air Force, Army, Marines. And if and I can't swim, and they say, well, how can you be in the Navy and not, and not swim? Well, if you're in the middle of the ocean and the nearest land, is you know 50 miles away. Can you swim 50 miles even if you can't swim? I don't think so. The arms will get tired. The whole uniform is engineered to keep you afloat in case you uh, have to leave the ship if you don't make it on a lifeboat. Depending on the course that another ship's going to come real soon and circle around to come, you know, rescue you. The, the the hat, the shirt, and the pants are all designed to help you stay afloat. If you tie it a certain way. So the military was good for the discipline, good for the veteran benefits, good for you know life lessons. If you have a strong mind, the boot camp is supposed to weed out the weak minds. A weak mind means if you didn't smoke cigarettes when you went to boot camp and you're smoking when you came out, the stress got to you, you had a weak mind. If you didn't drink, and the stress get to you, and you become an alcoholic, you got a weak mind. Uh, alcoholism, alcoholism was very prevalent in the military. A friend of mine, he had to take this, this medication called Anabuse, which means that he would take it like medicine every day, and if he, start, if he drink alcohol, the alcohol would make him sick. It's, it's kind of like, um, what's that movie, the... the uh, the droogs where the clockwork violence. orange. Huh? A clockwork orange? Michael Gorge? No, a clockwork orange. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's the thing about me. I'm 52 years old, and my memory, I have the pictures in my head, but I can't attach the name to them now. I'm getting bad unless I, I have to catch myself sometime. Yeah, clockwork orange, but he was. He where he was uh given this 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 uh, potion where he would get you know sick or ill at at the showing of showing the, uh his favorite thing like classical music <laughs> you know made him sick. So I don't discourage people going to military, but if you have a weak mind, don't don't go in because it can change you. We had a guy, he, his nickname was Spike because he was like Spike Lee back then. He was quiet. He wasn't a country boy. He was just he he looked and acted. He he acted the way he looked. You know, put it that way. He wasn't a nerd, but he he was he was quiet and reserved. And he looked and he looked at role. He actually hung with the same crowd I did. I have friends that you know that got high, uh, smoked crack, hung out hung out with with, with drug with drug dealers you know, uh, promiscuous running the streets. And when I felt that
that they were about to get in trouble, I would quietly slip away and go back to the boat or go find a girlfriend for the night. Then I find out when I get back to the boat the next day, they got arrested for doing something stupid. Smart move. What he did, yeah, what he did, instead of separating himself, I can have friends, but but not get but but stick but not getting involved with your mess. I know when to step off. Mm-hmm. He know when to step off. He ended up getting a dishonorable discharge because he started he started he got hooked on hooked on that stuff, did not act, and he got involved in messing with some underage kid. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what got him. That's what got him kicked out. The other thing about the military is a lot at the time there was a lot of drug dealers in there too and what happens is if they know you're dealing instead of uh, arresting right away they'll they'll let you deal more to build a case against you so they can really throw the book at you when it when they when it's time that is actually really smart yeah the guy wears sunglasses every day nothing wrong with that but you know it, it looks suspicious when you wear them all the time he did a project to do. It took four men to do the project for four days. He did a project by himself in one day. That's too good. And so he got arrested for dealing and using and got his honorable discharge because <laughs> he did that job in one day by himself. That was the clincher. <laughs> and he didn't get tired of doing it. Hmm, I wonder what that was. Oh, gotcha. It's like sliding a family stone and somebody's watching you. It's off their yeah. stand album. Yeah. Good album. I grew up on Funkadelic and Sly Stone. My dad's like a Sly Stone nut, actually. Yeah. He can probably tell you, like... My dad can probably tell you what time Slidestone took a shit on Christmas Day, actually. You know, in 1974. He's that much of a fan. Yes. Okay. Yeah, my dad's my, like a diehard Slidestone fan. My earliest memory of Slidestone was not even his face. It was his record. Um, um, it's a family affair. And I didn't know as sign of family, so I knew it was a Slidestone. I had a cousin named Bruce. And he used to make jokes about him having a big head. He had an afro. He had those posters, those 1970s posters. You may have seen them in the in the in the, in the afros video. Can you feel it? Where they where they glow in the dark. Oh yeah. Of these half new afro afro black women. And he and for some reason when I think of Family Affair and Slice, I think of him. So he must have had that record because I I, so, I was like four or five, and I, that's my earliest memory. The second memory is watching the Woodstock film. And after that, I don't take much interest in them. And then, again, Chuck Eddy, he did an article on black people and heavy metal. And he listed some songs of this, of why a metal fan would like Sly Stone. So I went and got The Stand and The Greatest Hits, and I loved it. And after that, I made an issue to get every album I could. Back then, it was cassettes, not CDs. This is when I was in the Navy. Oh, yeah. And so I've have I haven't heard every album he's had, but I've listened to all the must-have listen albums, <laughs> and none of them are losers. And you can hear and you can hear where Prince get a lot of his stuff from. Listen to 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 Sly's '70s stuff. You hear a lot of hear a lot of yeah Prince. 
And Prince won't deny it either. No, not at all. Totally. Prince was always one of those guys. He wore his influences on his sleeves. He sure does. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah. he puts his own stamp on it. Absolutely. You know? And Prince could Prince put so big a stamp on his music that when you hear someone sound like Prince, you don't think they sound like Sly Stone. You think they sound like Prince. So now you know you have people sound like Prince, where Prince sound like Sly Stone. And Sly Stone sound was to me before Sly Stone came out. I don't think anybody had a sound like his. Nobody. That I can you... think of. It was totally original. Totally, you know, the innovator. You know, I can't really think. You know, like for example, like Little Richard. You know, if you dig deeper and stuff, you had to talk with Escarita. You know, but there was nobody like Sly. It was just fucking Sly. You know, I I used to have this uh this uh stereo where it had a dual tape cadet uh, a dual a dual uh, tape cassette where if you plug the microphone into the sock and into the socket and you play a cassette at the same time it'll it'll dub whatever coming on the microphone onto the onto the cassette so there was this tv show that was talking about some kind of conspiracy theory and i took that and i had sex machine my sliced on plan i mailed it to my friend he thought it was an original mix (laughs) (laughs) it's fucking brilliant (laughs) i wish i kept that tape nice so, how'd you find out about Afropunk? I was waiting for that to be that. My sister told me about it, actually. Uh, she's on Facebook. Her name is Martine Guy. If you scroll through my friend friend list, you see her. She's, she's, my, she's, my, youngest, she's my youngest sister. She told me about it. I hadn't, heard, I hadn't heard anything about it. She told me about the film. Uh, told me about the website. And I was actually on the website almost a year before I saw the film because back then all the way to see the film was when he was when James Bond had those screenings. Oh, yeah. Now now you can go to the library and rent and check it out. Oh yeah. Back then if he wasn't screening it, you wasn't seeing it. True. So he came to town about a year later and we chatted about 10, 15 minutes at the bar and then he showed the film. And nobody from Chicago that I knew on the on, online community was there except for me that I, that I knew about because they had already been to the screenings already, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he took the question and answer after that, so that was pretty cool. So that's how I found out about it. And I, and I dove right in. So I was on that one and those pro boards at the same time. That's why I was signed up as Gamalia at first because that was the name, that was the tag I was using on the, on the other boards. And I fell in love with it right away. I was like, there's people out there like me. The, the you know the more uh, secular side with with the music and the different genres and it wasn't just all you know punk rock or hardcore you can talk about Rush or Led Zeppelin or where certain hand signs come from or or, or or anti-fascism or socialism you know you can talk about the isms and not get judged as being as being um you know what wasn't wasn't no PC about it you know oh completely. And no, uh, what they call Facebook, uh, call it uh, community standards. <laughs> that is true, you know. I hate that. It's true. It's, you know, that's something I'll never forget when, you know, just when, when Afropunk became basically, essentially, Essence Festival for the looky Loose. I'll put it that way. You know, for basically people that are kind of curious, have a kind of voyeuristic mindset. 
And there was this weird sense of respectability, actually. It was two different kinds, though, right? That was the kind you find in Afropunk a little bit, but there's like that normal mainstream black respectability. And it was one that was upset about Big Frida, actually. It's like, I can't believe they're having a twerking contest in Afropunk. I'm like, <laughs> sweetheart, the first Afropunk, so many people hooked up, it wasn't even funny. You know? So it's kind of this funny thing, this hypocrisy, right? Where, you know, you're right, there was no, you're right, there was like no community standards, I'll put it that way, you know? It was just basically, I really feel people trying to work a lot of stuff out and trying to connect with people, they, they're surprised that existed. You know? Afropunk basically became, I think if you're black and you're outside of the normal what black is, that's the place to be. Oh, yeah. Without actually liking punk music. Yeah, nowadays. Nothing yeah. with that, you know, because you know you can get exposed as you're there. You know, everybody should feel welcome, whether to it or not. You know, but I think somewhere when when Spooner left, or or divorced himself from it, it it, it changed because I I went I, I went on that one they have now, and it just didn't just didn't jive with me no more. It was just too yeah. just too different. In fact, the legacy Afro Punk page is gone. It is. It's gone. So that's why I'm doing the interviews right now because all the prominent members of the board, you know, that meant that were that sparked something, right? I can't let the history loss, you know. I mean shit. We've already lost DJ Tape Deck, we've already lost Calvin Chaos, we've already lost Layback Mike. I don't want to lose them with goddamn history. You know? Amen. And shit, one of the things about it is one of the most important, you know, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, we're Everybody had their roles and everything, right? But everybody always admired the Chicago Afropunk crew. <laughs> like, y'all were about that shit, you know? And, you know, because I remember, like, you knew Calvin, right? You know, at least hung yeah. out with him, right? What was he like? Yeah. He was exactly the way he was online, but he was really, but he, what I mean by that, he, he, he came across as, as friendly, which he did online, and, and very approachable, and he, if you look at his picture and just go by a picture, he would seem like he might be antisocial or a real tough guy. Like you don't talk. He wasn't like that at all. He was very friendly. He smiled. He laughed. He would do Michael Jackson, you know, dances. You know, he, he loved Michael Jackson. It wasn't all just punk rock. It was Devo. Me and him would talk about, you know, you know, street gangs, Michael Jackson, Devo, anti-fascism, and he and and, and he was a Christian too. He wasn't like a holy roller, you know, but he was he was an atheist, you know. He he believed in in a higher power. But at the same time, he had to, he had he had some, you know, emotional issues that he dealt with too. And if you if you pushed him into a corner, he would strike back at you, you know. And a few people caught 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 that rap because, you know, they 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 took it for granted. I gave him all he wanted was respect. You, know, you didn't have to like him, disrespect him. You know, I liked him, and I gave respect. And me and him never had no issues. We met about, I guess, the first time we met didn't go so well. Not not the way it sound. I, when I first signed on to the African community, I tried to, you know, reach out to people in Chicago. And they told me that, like, you know, because, you know, I don't, I don't put my picture up. So they said they was going to meet at some beach on the north side of Chicago. It was a JC and Calvin Chaos. Now JC had her picture up, and the Calvin picture was up. 
And again, I wear normal clothes. I don't wear no punk rock t-shirt or no mohawk. I'm just a regular looking guy. So I, I go to the beach. We didn't have a specific, you know, like identify like this is what I'm going to wear. This is the kind of hairstyle I got. I just figured that they will look the part. So I saw a couple that looked like they might be down. And then I said, excuse me, Afro Punk, they just looked at me, kind of kept like going. So I guess, I guess not. But it turned out later as I circled back online, it was them, but they didn't recognize me. And I guess they figured I was somebody trying to make fun of them or something. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's why. That's why they ignored me because they thought that, uh, you know, I was somebody just trying to, you know, make fun of them or something. So the second time with Calvin Chaos, we were supposed to go to the Fishbone show. He didn't show. But then he had his band, the, uh, the, the Haters. I went to two of their, two of their rehearsals. And then... Another time we hung out with with, uh, with Politic and, and at, at, his, at his place, and we hung out. He had, a, he had a studio apartment. And the last time I saw him, it was at a, uh, a nightclub, I think uh, Medusa. We was all going to hang out. I showed up super early. He showed up super early. And then we talked for about almost 90 minutes outside the club. Nobody showed up, so he said he's gonna go and look for them. But I had I had to go home because I was married and I had a curfew. Understood. <laughs> so I had to beat it. But we had a good conversation, just us two outside the club. Yeah. And that was the last time I saw him. You know, in person. Oh, I forgot. New Year's Eve. Uh, we hung out. I forgot what year that was. I had a car and I picked him up. We went to some punk rock uh, New Year's Eve uh, uh, party. This is while I was still uh, single. And we hung out for a long time, and I took pictures of him playing playing in front of this uh, Misfits cover band. It's, it's probably on Facebook somewhere, or either the old Afropunk or the old MySpace, MySpace page, but yeah. it's, it's, it's online somewhere. I think I remember he that. He smiled, having a good time. He was a very he was a very cool guy. Just you know, he would he told me that when somebody was trying to you know pick a fight with him or trying to you know clown him because they thought he was strange, he would he would give him a warning you know not not to push him because he's trying to be he's trying to you know he's trying to be gracious and not be you know not 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 be a tough guy. I think the, or think the guy that they think he is you know, but they catch the wrath when they want to test him. Just don't test him. True. He was a very cool guy. I, I dug him. I dug him a lot. I miss him. Same here, you know. One of the cool stories he told me about how he punched out the dude from Green Day. <laughs> that he never told me about. Tell me about it. Okay, here's what happened. Um, what happened was, all right, everybody, know, okay, when seeing the Afropunk movie, I can tell he had a bit, he wasn't fond of The Offspring or Green Day, right? So apparently what happened was, he happened to be at this one bar and Green Day happened to be playing there, right? Anyway, I got to say allegedly for legal reasons, you know, because you never knew who can hear these interviews. So right. Calvin allegedly saw Billy Joe Armstrong punch on a pregnant woman. And other, I'm sorry, allegedly push a pregnant woman, right? So Calvin 
wasn't fond of that allegedly so allegedly calvin got up and punched the fuck out of billy joe armstrong allegedly <laughs> you know and then ran off into the night <laughs> you know it in a crazy ass way it was kind of a metaphor like you know calvin aesthetically gave me like street punk vibes right and Green Day was like, you know, you know, they do other punk credentials or anything, but there was a time when they're getting kind of mainstream and stuff like that. So it's almost like that real punk rock shit knocked out Green Day. <laughs> so in a weird metaphor, in a weird way, you know. <sighs> Damn. Hell, once for the haters, I probably want to start Jenny as Techno, you know. Yeah, my favorite song by the haters is a song called Billy Idol. That was Billy my Idol, favorite one. I love that song. I want to do a cover of that one in tribute for him. Yeah, that that stuff was still online somewhere. I I think I posted on Facebook of like a a while away a, a long time ago. It's just me on it's on there somewhere. Oh yeah. All right, I guess moving forward and stuff, you know. So it's like. So that's pretty cool you found about Afropunk because of your sister and stuff, you know. But one thing I've always really dug about you on the board, right? You're like this amazing fucking writer. Like, really, really good writer. You know, you ever thought about going to writing? I have been asked that before. And this is now, there's professional writing. Like, you work, you write for a column for a newspaper, a magazine, kind of like what, you know, you know Chuck Eddy does and, Pat Thomas, a few of my online, you know, friends who do that for a living, uh, Carter Moody, maybe the for a living. And the thing is, you have to worry when it's a professional job, you're getting paid for it, so you have to follow the, the rules. And what makes my writing fun is I can write the way I want, even though I'm not getting paid for it. Like, you know, I put, instead of spelling out Y-O-U, I put the, the bold caps U. Yes. Stuff like that. You know, and I do a lot of air, you know, the quotes, air quotes on, you know, in print, things like that. I, yeah, I have a unique writing style, and if I went professional, I couldn't do it anymore, and it wouldn't be fun anymore. <laughs> and then, and then you have to cite all your sources, you know, and some stuff. Not all the time. I'm going off off of memory, you know, so I yeah. wouldn't be able to pull up the source if I was actually provide said source. That's what makes it fun. Cause there's some stuff like either I saw it on MTV and that tape's probably lost cause they didn't digitize it or read in an article somewhere and they probably didn't digitize that article or I got the information firsthand or secondhand from somebody that knew said artist, you know, it is no, it was like nothing published about it. Right. So I couldn't really mention like, you know, yeah, so-and-so is a, is a big influence on so-and-so. How do you know that? Because I know so and so, you know, and already told me can't prove it. exactly. Yeah. I can't prove it. So, you know, and also might kill their image too, you know. Like, you know, so like you know, I get to know some certain R and B artists and stuff, and they really like the rock stuff and everything, right? But you're not going to find an interview with them talking about that, like because it will kill their image, you know. Exactly. So, what but, what I what I did do uh, the summer before my sophomore in high school. I was in this program called Project That We're Bound for inner city kids who may not have a tuition to go to go to college. So they enrolled me in the program at University of Chicago. 
for college credits while you're in high school, and I took a journalism class. So I did learn a few things from that journalism class. I don't necessarily apply it now, but I did learn why those rules are in place and why they expect you to follow them if you are getting paid to write. <laughs> but thank you for the compliment. I'm glad people, I'm glad you like, I'm glad you like what, what I post. I put, I, I, it may not show, but I do little, I do put a lot of work and research in it. Yeah, because you're mentioning shit that I didn't know or realize or felt like there's only three people that actually know that fact. How the hell did they find that out? So I'm like, curling me and fucking pressed, you know? What I what I will do is if I can't verify something that I've read or heard of so many times, I will say, This is how this is this is this is a story the story goes like this, or this is one version of that story, instead of saying this is a fact. That's how I get around Smart that. Move. Notice that. Yeah. Notice how I said the word allegedly. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, you can't... I, use that, I, I use that too as well, allegedly, because yeah. I won't be able to necessarily back it up. And Wikipedia is not is 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 a good source to read and look at stuff, but you know, it's not always verifiable either. Nah, unless Sometimes. exactly, unless it, it literally has a source next to it, though. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm going off old magazine interviews or books that document the information or stuff that I've heard, and that's why I go with the allegedly. Or possibly, or this is how the story goes, or this is one version of the story. Because I've read an event that was told in four different ways and four different books. So I try to put all of them together and say, this is how it went with this one, but so and so said it went this way. So I try to cover you know, my bases when I can. Oh, yeah. Totally, you know. And that's actually the best way to do it, you know. Because I'm like, all right, because or you find like, all right, I'm seeing a common thread through all these different various sort of stories. Like, somebody had a different color shirt in that story, but the same thing is this right here, this right here, this right here. Exactly. You know. All right. So, because I remember like this other e group you started. You know, I always thought it was a really cool name called Fast Eddie's Disco Connection. Uh, yeah, I wish I could take credit for that. I got that from Isaac Hayes had an album called Isaac Hayes Disco Connection. And there was also a, a R&B band called the uh, the uh, T T Connection, but the disco part definitely came from Isaac Hayes. Uh, he's my number one favorite recording artist since the early early nineties. So I, I I give him credit for that. I wanted a page at first. I was on this music page. You can post something everything, and the admin came back and started deleting posts or stuff and took my contributing powers away so I said let me start the disco connection where you put dance songs disco songs you know R&B songs you know just for that for people who want to post obscure disco stuff they may not want to, they may not want to put on their page but maybe they may want to put it on mine or they may want to share with people on, on my disco page it's not necessarily their friends stuff like that and I, and I thought the title sounded cool that too I love the title and also the one the other one too, like the the sound system one. Oh yeah, the 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 the, 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 the TK. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I got that from from Boogie Nights. Nice. Shoot, you know, you know, did I tell you about how I started, bro? Black Rocker official. No, you didn't. I, I definitely want to hear it. I got kicked out of Black Rockers United. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically Why? what happened. Um, <laughs> what happened? 
I can't even remember exactly what happened. It was, I think Nate, I would say allegedly Nathan kicked me out because of something that I might have said. Because he was talking about how much he hated nipple piercings, right? But then people started posting up, you know, a lot of DM slides, allegedly. You know, but what happened was, I think I got booted out and everything. And my other buddy, Anthony, you know, Terrell, dude out of Memphis, nice guy. He's really one of us, you know. He's He just wasn't familiar with Afropunk, you know, but he... What's the name again? Anthony Terrell. Okay, go ahead. You know, nice guy. You know, what happened was... So he was told well, he got kicked out of the group too and is pissed off. And the other thing about it is, you know what? My philosophy is don't get mad, get even. But when you're getting even, don't try to be that mad because you'll just lose concentration and create a bigger mess. So the whole time when Anthony was going on, you know, basically describing his frustrations, you know, I'm not going to impersonate him because that's, you know, I can't get the Memphis accent right. So he's going, he's venting his frustrations, right? So I'm like, tabity, 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 tabity. Oh, create a new group. Tabity, 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 tabity. Black Rockers official. <laughs> I call it bro. B-R-O, you know? Because wordplay. Tabity, tabity, tabity. Invite everybody, including you, everybody I could think of. I said, yeah, check your invite. He's like, huh? Okay. Oh, nice. So don't get mad, get even, you know? So... You know, that's how the whole thing started. And I, just, I think I should put more work into that in hindsight. You know, but like, you know, life happens and stuff. But yeah. So, okay. You have medical training, right? Yes, I, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I do. All right. Medical assistant. All right. So, I wanted to, I like to ask one controversial question. Notice I didn't ask anything personal, right? Because my philosophy is yeah. this. I'm not going to ask you if you have a color. I'm not going to ask your social security number. What's your favorite color, baby? Living color. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, man. I got to start about how I heckled those guys at a show one time. But they have a great sense of humor about it. No, but here's what happened. All right. Do you think, you know, because I'm watching news and everything. Do you think we could have, I'm watching the news. And I'm just seeing, like, you know, the death toll just rise, right? So, all right, since you, you know, since you work in the medical field, I was wondering, do you think we could have handled the COVID-19 outbreak any better? Or was this an eventual? Um, I think that the, the governors try to do their, their, their very best, but people were just not being compliant. Not, not everybody. When they did the, uh, the shutdown, you know, the self-quarantines, I would be driving to the store with my mask and my gloves on, right? And, you know, you had to wait in line outside with, you know, like six or seven feet apart from each other because they're going to allow so many people in the store at a time. Okay, I get that. But I was, but as on my way to the store, I would see young guys out in the park playing basketball, no mask, no gloves, totally touching and breathing on each other. And then you had these conspiracy nuts that didn't want to wear a mask saying it was all made up. I see a few of them. I, I think that the original plans for the total shutdown would have worked better if more people had took it seriously. Because, you know, the people were still throwing parties. You know, some of these, you know, the, the older people seem, seem to get it. 
you know, right away how serious it is. It's some of the young, younger cats, not all of them, but I, and I would drive by the park, and I would see a, the, the parking lot is full of cars, or people outside hanging out. This one, you know, just during the summer, and they just weren't taking it seriously. I, I think the, uh, the uh, governors, the Democratic governors, did a good job. You know, trying trying to keep social distancing in place, making rules, but some people just weren't following it. And I think, and as you can see, with the rules that since been relaxed now, the COVID, the uh, it's uh, seems to be an upsurge in certain areas now because people are not taking it seriously. I think it could I, I think it could have been handled better if more people had been more compliant. That's just my opinion, of course. And I'm only speaking about Illinois. I can't speak about where I haven't been or seen. I'm going about what I've personally seen for myself in Illinois. You know, it, it could have been better if more people had been compliant. The numbers are down, but they're kind of spiking up more now because when I go to store now, well, I'm, well, I'm at with my gloves on. I still see people with no mask on, you know, no gloves out in large groups. Of people around around each other and they're not protecting each other and that's going on right now in real time that's that's just my opinion so I think I think it could have been handled better if more people have been more it, it took, took it more seriously well Eddie great chatting with you I literally haven't spoke with you since 2006 you know it's really great catching up with you you know I'm you know you've fun Thanks, you know, have fun too, man, you know, I mean, like, uh, you really told some cool stories about the board, stuff I didn't realize either, you know, and, you know, just glad to chat with you, you know, like to do this again sometime, you know, offline or online, either way, just like to chat with you. Well, thank you for inviting me, I'm honored. No problem, yeah, you were a major part of the board, you know, so, glad to chat with you. Alright, peace and hair grease. You too, man, peace. Hey, great chatting with Fast Eddie, been a minute. You know, look forward to talking to him and some other Afropunkers in the future. Till next time, peace.